Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. And welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we dive into, uh, back to our schedule of threes, uh, and then break down uh, 10 prospects to know as we look at the MLB farm system. And uh, a biggest riser, like looking at more things from the first third of the minor league season as part of a, a, a review, and, and guys that might be uh, playing more of an impact in the stretch run. Uh, guys that are good to know if you're in a, whether you're in a dynasty league for fantasy or uh, looking at guys you're trying to keep on the radar for when we get closer. Who's the next uh, Ellie De La Cruz? Uh, another one of those guys that have jumped up within it and have uh, hit the ground running. We'll look at all that stuff in the uh, this week's uh, uh, Heater Podcast, uh, which is always brought to you by River Creek Popcorn for all your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice, whether outfield movies or uh, whether movies uh, at the, in your in-home cinema. Uh, come hungry, leave happy. Uh, it was another fantastic weekend at the uh, at the wagon. Yeah, uh, you're you had one of the big events. We had a couple of big events this weekend. So you, your movie night, which sounds like it was fantastic. Sandlot on a sandlot. You can't go yeah. wrong. I wish I could have attended. It was just a long day. Uh, and then we had some graduation parties. It's graduation season. People are getting their catered orders, and so we do that too. So if you're interested in big orders of popcorn, we we cut deals for people. We sell them by the tote loads, and this was we sold a. Caramel corn and a cheese corn by the tote, which is not something we always do. But when we do that, it's usually by weight. And so we, we sold a few of those. So, yeah, it was a fantastic weekend. The weather got a little chilly here on Sunday, but not cold. I wouldn't say it's cold. I would just say it was a drop from what we're used to. And uh sounds like it's going to bounce back to still in the ice. When you're talking in the 50s at night, uh, is is nice. It's uh, for for me, anyways. I, I like the little bit of that added cool. The, the heat's going to be here and it's going to stay uh, at some point within it. But I'm uh, I'm happy to get a little bit of the uh, the cool breeze uh, as as part of things uh, within it. And more importantly, the rain. At least getting some. We definitely need more. Did this is any? the driest has been in seven years. I've since I've been here. How much did you get last night? They talked about, I know what, last night into like a quarter of an inch is what was down in the Richland Center area. Yeah, I think, I think we had about two-tenths of an inch, so we could yeah. use about uh, two uh, inches uh, over two days, but <laughs> it doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon, so can't predict the weather. Get a dome. There you go. It works well down to St. Pete. Right. Uh, and and that kind of be a, just before we jump, uh, jump into the questions within it, uh, kind of the side note, uh, Tampa Bay Rays played the Texas Rangers, the two powerhouses in the American League and overall baseball within it for best records going up against each other. Uh, Rays took two out of three. They also played the other division uh, leader uh, in the AL with the Minnesota Twins. Rays went 5-1 and one this week. Uh, even a... like. I know they're good at 48 and 20. No one's that good uh, within it. Uh, but this kind of solidified it in my mind that they are this good. Maybe not quite 48 and 20 good uh, within it because you're getting you're almost on the 116 win pace of the Seattle Mariners uh, back in 2001, if I'm remembering that uh, date right, uh, within it. The, you know, it's, uh, they are the, clearly the class of the uh, AL uh, and I think this week just kind of solidified that uh, that they're they're not slowing down. Different guys might go on slumps within it, 
uh, there, but uh, they're the class of the AL, and it, there's more of an established hierarchy uh, within it. I say it's Rays, Rangers, and Orioles. I think those are your top three teams uh, within it, and we'll see how long the uh, the Orioles can uh, last within it. As I'm looking at uh, what the based on someone's uh, run differential and how all the formula that goes into the expected win loss record. Uh, Ray's record is exactly what they're expected to be on the basis of that. So they're not playing above their heads. They're playing exactly as hot as they've been. This is uh, what their record should be in that regard. Uh, but the Rangers, uh, they're 41 and 23. Uh, they're expected as 46 and 18. Uh, so they have been every bit uh, as good as their their offense has been, and they're pitching uh, within it. It was a fun three game series watching them. First chance to do that when they were playing the race within it, and came away uh, as impressed as you'd expect to be with that uh, with that club. Yeah, some some very good teams in the American League. Yes, the the Rays are probably playing a little above their head now. They're a very good team, like you said, forty eight and twenty. That pace of twenty eight games above five hundred and sixty eight. Now I think they're. I believe I heard that they were leading in both ERA and OPS, which is a good way to win a lot of games. I don't know if that's still the case, but that was a, I think I watched them earlier this week when they were playing the Twins, and I heard that they were leading in both ERA and OPS. So that's a good way to win a lot of games. But uh, Texas is also very good too, and we'll see. As Joe Madden, uh, or John Madden, I should say, has said, you know, uh, you score more than the other, other team, you're going to win a lot of games. That's how uh, Texas wins. So. They score a lot. <laughs> Uh, so we'll dive into our, our questions here as uh, we, in our threes. We'll start with our three hitters. Uh, and it is, uh, in this one, a young man's game. Uh, we have, I, I was saying before we had started here with, and this is one of the, the most fascinating years from young talent jumping in and establishing themselves. Uh, the most young talent I've seen across the board. You might get some decent hitters or you might get some very good pitchers, but when you have everything... Well, then this has been one of the best new classes coming into the uh, into the, the league in one year's time or in the first half of a season, uh, as I can ever remember. We're going to talk about a couple of them here back-to-back. Back. Uh, we'll, we'll start with Ellie De La Cruz, who I believe it was last week or a couple weeks ago, we talked about, like, what are the Reds waiting for? Why is he not here? He's here. Uh, if you haven't seen him, I would. we've talked about, you know, who are the more exciting players to watch in baseball. You have Acuna, you have Jazz Chisholm, Fernando Tatis, like, O'Neill Cruz when he's healthy. Ellie De La Cruz, like, right away is absolutely on that list. He is very much a switch-hitting version of O'Neill Cruz. You're talking Giancarlo Stanton power. If you haven't seen the home run he hit, the home run call was fantastic. As I don't remember the name of the Reds announcer, but the this ball has a family as it's just about ready to leave <laughs> uh, Great American Ballpark. And so we've seen Ellie De La Cruz. Now he got called up early in the week for the Dodgers. He started his career. He's got six six games he's played. He's hits in all six of them. He's batted cleanup all six. He's got hits in them. He's had a double. He's had a triple. He's had a home run. He has three stolen bases. It the skill set's amazing. Like, and actually, so the the question was always going to be, can can he cut down the, the strikeouts? Right? Is because that was the O'Neill Cruz problem too. When he came up, he was striking out thirty three percent of the time. Now, when you con- contact the ball like he does, when you don't strike out, you're fine. Elliot Cruz has ten strikeouts in six games. He has six walk like five walks now. If he can keep that up, this could be, I said, you know, Fernando Tatis, like those superstar outcomes that we see. I don't want to say that, put that on a guy this young, but Elie De La Cruz, the, the future for the Cincinnati Reds is white hot. If there's anyone that could come in and take away the NL Rookie of the Year from the guy we're about to talk about next, it is Elie De La Cruz. I think someone who has the the 
that supernova uh, ceiling who's already shown you those skills in his first like 10 games here uh, uh, within it. Uh, it's, it is it is him, uh, but uh, he has excellent competition, especially coming in now. Corbin Carroll was the number one overall prospect uh, within it. Uh, everyone said you can go back to all the preview articles within it. Jeff Bassan, uh, Keith Law, like all these guys, uh, 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 Ken Rosenthal, every, article after article, of people drooling over the uh, the five tool talent uh, that he has here and the speed for days, like talking about he might be a rookie, but he could be a, uh, a stolen base champion uh, in his rookie season within it. Uh, Corbin Carroll has been everything as advertised, and he came with a lot of hype. He has. He, I think we've. I'm, one of us has mentioned you know, the, the Trey Turner comps have been there for a while, even though he played he plays outfield. But this is it. Like it's happening. Corbin Carroll, at this point in the season, he's a rookie, and he is currently at with 13 home runs, 18 steals, hitting 301. That's the part that we don't see out of rookies. Like, you know, I talk about O'Neill Cruz, right? Last year, I think he was only up half a season, and he was on pace for a 25 homer, 25 steal season. Uh, but you don't see guys come up and hit 300, and he's doing it. He, he burns around the base paths. Today, he was a home run away from the cycle. Earlier this week, he had three home runs this week alone, eight RBIs. He's a fantastic player. They've moved him. He seems very comfortable now between the two and the three spot. And the team that we're going to talk about here is one of the teams in a second because they're playing out of their minds good earlier than I think we thought. But, yeah, Corbin Carroll's a big part of it. And as good as L.A. De La Cruz is, he's going to have a lot of ground to make up to catch Corbin Carroll in that category. And and I'm not sure that he'll – he actually has it. He, I think L.A. De La Cruz is going to be fantastic. I think Corbin Carroll is already there. I think Corbin Carroll's – arguably one of the best 10 players in the game already, 10 hitters. Like, he's right up there. Him him and Wander Franco really yep. established that, like, right away, yep. like, from, from the beginning within it. Uh, and it's I think uh, Eli De La Cruz will be in the consideration for 10. I just don't think he'll fully get there immediately. He could. He very well could. Uh, his talents, he will be there eventually. But kind of like O'Neill Cruz, it took him like you're, you already seeing strides going into year two. Like, whoa, he's now ready to to jump that step. Corbin Carroll is ready just right out of the gate. A prepackaged superstar uh, that you just don't see coming out from game one uh, of your rookie career. Uh, Elliot De La Cruz as, could be Jazz Chisholm. Like, Jazz Chisholm is a star, too. It's not the same type of a star as Wander Franco or Corbin Carroll because... What, where is he hitting? I don't remember what I said he was hitting, but L.A. De La Cruz is probably around 300 now. He's at 316. I don't think he's probably a 315 hitter in the big leagues. He's probably a 260-ish hitter. But, you know, I said, if you're 260, Fernando Tatis, if he hits 260 with 40 home runs and 40 steals, do you care? Probably not. If L.A. De La Cruz hits 260 with 40 home runs and 40 steals, you don't care. But Wander Franco and Corbin Carroll, they, they wake up and they hit 300, and they can do that while also doing the 35-35 easy. They are the... Uh it's the consistency that, that stands out from them uh, within it. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz will, will have as many like um, awe-inspiring plays. The numbers just won't be the, the same consistency, but one of those players that in like, that top 10 is worth the price of admission just to see what he can do in a game within. You're always waiting to see what that next wow moment is. He'll produce more wow moments. Carroll and Franco will uh, produce more con- consistent moments. I said, we've, we've seen him a week. We've seen the incredible home run call yesterday. 
the third base coach for the Reds, put on the stop sign. L.A. De La Cruz did not pay attention at all, ran home, scored the run, and then after the game had the amazing quote of, I believe I'm the fastest man on planet Earth or something <laughs> like that. Like, yep. like there's no lack of confidence in L.A. De La Cruz, and so far it's, it's working for him. So keep it up, man. That leads into an added question as we're looking at this here. As I'm looking at the numbers, we're talking about Corbin Carroll's stolen bases uh, so far in the season. Uh, But when you think think of this generation of of player, Uh, you have Jazz Chisholm, you have O'Neill Cruz, you have Ellie De La Cruz, like uh, even Corbin Carroll within that. But these these are just like flashy uh, and deservedly so flashy players. Like they produce these wow moments within it. This is the next generation of of MLB stars in a different way than what we've seen. Uh, you can find different players within that have been very good or fun to watch, worth the price of admission within it, but they add a different flair to the game than I think MLB has had in quite a while. Uh, with it. As far as this collection of young guys that are showing that same type of a just incredible athletes mm-hmm. uh, in a different way than just massive 500-foot home run uh, athletes within it. Thoughts on, on that as being like you're talking about uh, – a different way of marketing MLB that I think will raise the popularity of it, provided people like Manfred get out of the way. There's more, too. I mean, okay, well, you're, the, the names you list are absolutely, but Ronald Acuna, right? Uh, Julio Rodriguez. Yes. And Bobby Witt, is, I think he's only hitting 230 this year, but he has that absolute skill set, too, right? So these these are the, the future of the game, and it's not, it's not uh, like a Chris Davis who would hit 40 home runs and hit or Joey Gallo, right? So more, more logical, like can absolutely hit monster home runs. And there are times when you would absolutely watch Joey Gallo hit a 500-foot home run, but he's going to hit 220 doing it. These guys are, like, watching these guys get a triple is, is one of the, still one of the most fun plays in the game, right? It and is. so, you know, these guys fly. They, they can hit for power. They generate huge exit velocities, all of them, and they're really good. And I hope that Major League Baseball capitalizes on the fact that we have a bunch of young superstars in this game right now, it looks like. And so hopefully... Major League Baseball can do the right thing here and market the Ronald Acuna's, the Fernando Tatis's, the Julio Rodriguez's, the Corbin Carroll's, the Wander Franco's. You have them literally around the country. All these guys are on different teams. Take advantage of it. And around the world in that aspect of it, which is why what happened at the World Baseball Classic is where you started getting exposure on some of this and more of a chance within this. I think that's going to become... It was it was fun so far this, this first time within it. I think with all these different players uh, that are there... I think this is going to grow bigger uh, within it from uh, from people enjoying and, and March this this uh, whole uh, uh, essentially baseball Olympics uh, within it. I think it is going to grow more, especially as you have this type of exciting talent from all different areas around the world playing within this. Uh, I think that's only going to add to and what will help Major League Baseball market itself that much more is going to be that type of event. Also because then Manfred isn't in the way. Uh, so I think it helps that too. Get your biggest obstacle out of the way and watch things bloom. Uh, my question is, as we finish up for stolen bases, uh, Estuary Ruiz has already had 31 stolen bases. What is the... We're not even at the halfway marker yet. What's the number? Uh, what are you putting the, the over-under at with the stolen base champion? What's the number for that this year? So I just got done watching a story reason. We'll talk about the A's here in a little bit. Look, if he's on first base and there's nobody in front of him, he is not waiting. He's not wasting time, and, and he shouldn't, right? Oakland, you know, we're going to talk. They're playing good the last, like, actually almost all of June. They actually, they're on a five-game streak, which we'll get to, but they even beat Competent. the Braves for a series, like, yeah. at the end of May. So they're looking better, but... Estuary Ruiz, if he gets on first base, there should be nothing holding him back. There's no reason for him not to. So 
80. I think 80 I think is well the within number. the realm of possibility. Yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, we're he's not, not going Ricky Henderson. 90. We're not he's going not hitting, quite he's Ricky not Henderson. triple digits. I don't think he'll hit triple digits. I, I would not, if you gave me 90, I'd set the under. If you gave me 80, I probably set it slightly over. So somewhere's in the eighties. Uh, he's, he's a interesting player. If you have seen him play, he, he actually does generate more velocity than you think for, he's only got one home run, but this is not a, I don't know, like a John birdie. It's more of a, not Jose Reyes. That's not the great comp, but if you told me that there's a year where Astoria Ruiz does touch double digit home runs, I think that's possible. It's not going to happen in Oakland. That's, that's part of what's hurting him is he's playing in that massive ballpark that is Oakland for home games. But it, look, the speed is a hundred percent. Everything that was advertised, it's there. He, he will. What helps him is he has the automatic green light mm-hmm. uh, with nothing else going on. Why not? Let him, let him run, let him do this within it. Uh, and he's obviously been very, very effective with it. And it's something to watch and, and, and see. Uh, I do want a September uh, where triple digits isn't out of the realm of possibility. I want a September where Luis Arias is uh, flirting with now? it. He's still over 400, I believe. 403 was the last I was seeing, but I haven't looked in a couple of days now. 402, and he went one for five today, which is going to drop him down. So if he's prob- actually, that's probably that's probably adjusted in there. So 402, June 11th. Uh, so I, some of these fun things to see. How many home runs does uh, uh, it, does Judge have at the beginning of September within it? Provided it's not a long time on the on the IL, which is the key part. Top two uh, home there. run hitters are both on the IL this week. Pete Alonso with twenty two and Aaron yeah. Judge with nineteen. Let's go. Too bad. It's uh, not only is it a, a young man's game. We were talking about uh, uh, the way we've talked about Corbin Carroll and Ellie De La Cruz is how we talked about Jose Ramirez uh, back when he was first coming out uh, within this. He is still. Uh, the most consistent 30 uh, 30 candidate uh, in Major League Baseball for the last number of years within it. Uh, but he hasn't, like, his ceiling and what he's done for so long is a whole different level that he's been good, but it only looks average or, or subpar for his level to date. Uh, everyone kept waiting, when are we actually going to see Jose Ramirez? We did this week. Yep, sorry, Boston and Houston, you got to deal you got the day off today, but the last, specifically like the last three days, this weekend has been fantastic. He had the three-homer day in the last game against Boston. He followed that up with uh, June 9th here, the first game against Houston. He was a triple away from the cycle, and then another two for five. So the last three days here, he's had eight hits and 14 at-bats for four home runs. I also walked three times in there because why not? You know, he's he's fantastic, he said you look at it and you're like, oh, he's only hitting 278 with 10 home runs, 38 RBIs, and five steals. That's a fantastic season. Like <laughs> that is, is that pace for a 30 homer, 15 steal season still, and it feels like it's been a slow start for him. He's a he's a star too, absolutely. And Cleveland starting to play a little better. Won a few games themselves, and I still think they're the team to beat in the AL Central. I know I believe that the Twins are still in first. I still think Cleveland figures it out here at some point, but a big part of that would be getting there star third baseman, you know, I don't want to say going because he's already going, but hitting for a little more power would help. They've, they've struggled to score runs massively. We move our attention to, uh, uh, to pitchers, uh, and we'll talk about the, uh, the pitcher that everyone expected to be in, in the top five and, and win so far in, in the season, uh, and, uh, the, uh, uh, renowned Zach Eflin, uh, uh tongue in cheek, as far as, uh, here's a guy who in his last season with Philly, Starter, reliever, kind of blended a little bit of things within it. Uh, but what should make you take notice is whenever Tampa Bay spends money, uh, is uh, already some that make you take notice, and especially when it's on a pitcher. 
within it. And he has been uh, as good uh, as uh, as they could have expected, and then some uh, from the guy who's now eight and one uh, in his first eleven starts uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays. So the thing that Zach Eflin always could do was limit walks. That was what he was always really good at. He he would never he didn't walk anybody. But I I don't know about you. I was out in Alabama when they signed him, but I, I was surprised they gave him that type of a contract. I thought that I like Zach Eflin. I don't, I don't want to say that I don't like Zach Eflin, but I thought this is a, a cap player that they just gave a very big contract to slightly better than league average is yeah. what the industry ex- expectations yeah. was We're like, okay. It wasn't that it was a bad contract. It was like, they normally don't pay for league average. So right. this was more of the peculiarity uh, to that. And which that's what made me take notice. But they've, they've changed a few things with, with the way Zach Eflin's pitching. Suddenly he gets way more ground balls because he's leaned into the sinker more than ever. And he's, he's generating so many more ground balls off of it. And the Tampa Bay plays very good defense behind him. And it's worked to him having a career year right now. And so at this point, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say he's, I think he's eight and one on this so far on this season. Zach Eflin, we talked about Cy Young Award winners. I'm not going to sit here and say that I think Zach Eflin's going to win a Cy Young Award, but is he an 18 game winner? Could could he win? Yeah, mm-hmm. 15 to 18 games. I'm playing for one of the best teams in baseball here, pretty clearly, probably the best team. We just talked about that. Yeah, I think so. And so, surprisingly, he's doing it like throwing softer than ever, which is something you almost never see. He's only throwing 90 miles an hour. Like last year, that was up at 93. So you don't usually see someone drop velocity and get better, but. Tampa Bay is a pitching. They know how to pit, They know how to develop pitchers, and they know how to fix pitchers. If in this case, and so it's good to see. I I will take the over. I believe he's currently at a two ninety seven ERA. I'll take the over on that for the rest of the year. But yeah, at this point, he's banked sixty six innings of a two ninety seven. You're not four. getting to four at this yeah, point unless he really tanks. So it's it's been an incredible start, and keep it up. I'm looking at the top 20 pitchers and uh, and wins so far, uh, and then I'm looking at uh, comparing uh, walk numbers, uh, and he is half of anyone else. He's at nine, 66 strikeouts to nine walks. Uh, everyone else is at least at 15 uh, uh, or more, or if not 30 is the number we've seen up to within it here for strikeout guys. You tend to get a little more walks within it. Uh, he's not blowing people away, but he's got a solid cape. Uh, uh, K nine of one per inning, uh, so a nine K nine for that uh, whip of zero point nine six. Can't ask for much more than than, than what you're seeing there. Uh, look at another uh, veteran that normally, when you think of guys that sign that mid tier veteran, I've, I've said it multiple times on this podcast. No one does it better than the Texas Rangers for finding that mid tier guy uh, that does really well. And next up for them, they did the Lance Lynn, they did the Kyle Gibson. Uh, there's still others, Martin Perez, uh, with him. They find guys that do very well for that that mid tier. And now next on that list is John Gray. John Gray, and you know, we I believe it was a week or two ago we talked about Nate Evaldi. John Gray and Nate Evaldi have been what they were hoping to get out of uh, Jacob Degrom here, and it's been we've talked about. You know, can John Gray stay healthy? Well, he's healthy so far, and this is also the best we've seen John Gray pitch, especially the last. Since May started, right? Seven innings, eight innings, five innings, seven innings, seven innings, nine innings. He's won every start but one, and that was the nine-inning game where he lost one to nothing with 12 strikeouts to the Cardinals this past week. He's sitting at a 232-year in a .96 whip. It's another one, right? This John Gray was probably thought of in the 
about the same light as Zach Eflin just a year before, right? Uh, maybe a slightly above league average pitcher. The Rangers paid up for him, and now we're seeing that yeah, there's another level to this. This is a sub. This is a also a player who was a former top five overall pick in the draft, but got ended up in Colorado where pitchers go to die. So this is the best we've seen of John Gray. And you said you know Tampa Bay is really good. Texas is really good. These are really good teams with develop that show that if you can develop your pitchers, you can win a lot of games with them. Keep it up, man. We we've talked about and. Uh, might be time uh, to go back. Uh, maybe let's make that next week. Uh, we're going to go back and, and review the uh, the big signings of the offseason. We we're getting closer one. to halfway through uh, and see who's got uh, buyer's remorse, uh, ah, who's actually got it right. Oh, he had and a couple home runs this week. There's uh, some might be finally breaking out of those those slumps within it, but we'll uh, we'll review the off season by, by what we've seen in the first uh, more than a third of the season now within it to see how uh, how are teams feeling uh, after the first uh, sixty games. I just want to break up one more thing on John Gray here before we move on. I yeah. broke it up since May eighth. He has pitched forty three innings during that time. He has four earned runs with forty four strikeouts. So forty three innings. Wow. He has a point eighty four ERA in that time. That's pretty good. And Texas shows that this is the perfect example of you can look individually uh, at a move uh, and and like or not like it. Collectively, are you getting the results you're wanting? Uh, Texas went all in on offense last year. They went more more quote unquote all in for for pitching this year. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Jake Degrom, uh, and we'll come back to, to him a little bit later on in the podcast too. But uh, First two, a three-year deal, first two years are pretty much shot. Uh, maybe he, he's all talking about trying to come back early uh, before uh, next year within it, so maybe not next year's shot within it. We'll see. Uh, but they're, when he pitched, it was excellent. Injuries continue to do what they're doing, uh, but they're getting that level of production from John Gray. The point is when, when you, you're not going to uh, connect on every move you make. But if your if your average is good again, we say you hit it the three out of ten times and you'll be an all star uh, within it. This is the same type of thing. Are you are you hit, hitting on more than you're missing? Uh, and Texas has that, uh, one of those. We'll talk next week on that off season of how they've navigated that well. They've had one of the biggest quote unquote busts, but one of the biggest fines. If you're balancing it out that way, it doesn't matter how you're doing it as long as you're doing it. And they're very happy with the record and the way the team is right now and how John Gray is performing. Uh, we'd be remiss, as, as we talked about, uh, young hitters, uh, new, newcomers uh, uh, as rookies here coming up and making big big impacts. Uh, pitchers, you have that as well. And and none have been as impactful through their first four to five starts uh, as what Bobby Miller of the Dodgers has been with the injuries they've dealt with pitching-wise over there too. Uh, they've tried to rotate through pitchers, and no one grabbed it uh in the same way that Bobby Miller has. Uh, and that blazing fastball uh, has, uh, and his command of it, which is always the key, uh, his command of it has led to an extremely uh, positive start uh, and uh, uh, trying to help the Dodgers get back on track. They need him. They, they've had enough pitching injuries that they, they need him. And Gavin Stone came up and wasn't particularly good. I haven't given up hope on Gavin Stone yet. But Bobby Miller, we've seen four starts. He's won three of those games. He's actually getting better. The last two starts here against the Yankees in Philadelphia. So he's also pitched against Atlanta in his three starts or he's, four starts. He's so, faced so he's had good some teams and good teams offenses. He's won all of those games. I guess he didn't win against the Yankees, but uh, we're now at 23 innings. He has three wins. He has 23 strikeouts. 
He's allowed a total of two earned runs. So he's sitting at a .78 ERA, a .83 whip. Look, it won't get better, right? It can't get better than that. But he's another one. At this point, a three ERA the remainder of the season. I, we know that the Dodgers know how to develop pitching. They're supposed to get Julio Urias back here soon. That will help them. And I think Bobby Miller's done enough now. I don't. I still don't get why they roll out Noah Syndergaard. It makes no sense to me. Just, just at this point, when Urias comes back, please tell me you're going to move Noah Syndergaard to the bullpen or you know out. However, you're going to do it because there's no point in that. And Bobby Miller looks. You, know, you said it, he looks fantastic. He has a big fastball, and batters can't keep up to him. He's faced an extremely tough start to the career, and he is he's matched it. And so. Yet again, the, Dod- the Dodgers are flush with these guys. We'll talk about another one when we talk about prospects, that they, they just develop players and they're very good at it. Well, let's move to uh, to teams. We talked hitters, we talked pitchers. Now move to our, our three teams uh, of note this week. Uh, and deserving of, uh, of credit is the team that is starting to, I, I believe, believe, believe in itself more. Uh, and starting to realize that they can be good. The pitching has always been good, but I think there's enough there where they believe they can piece it together uh, to do that. And they, they have. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. Miami Marlins are now 37-29. and 29. Uh, They're only three and a half back of Atlanta. Uh, 37 would be the third best record uh, in the National League at, at this point. Uh, they're still negative 20 in the uh, uh, run differential. Uh, not due to pitching, it's due to that, due to the offense. But this is where things are good enough here that you could see them being more aggressive at the trade deadline if something is available to assist with the with the offense in that regard. Uh, we'll talk more of, of that type of things uh, within it later. But uh, this is a spot where I, I like Tim Anderson uh, finding find a way to put an athlete there somewhere within it. Uh, I I like that as an uh, eventual fit. We'll see what happens, but. Miami Marlins, uh, legitimate uh, National League playoff contender? I think so. I picked them last year, and they let me down. But I, then I got off. I got jumpy on them this year. But this, this is how this team wins games, right? They're not going to bliz, they're not going to bludgeon you like and we're talking about Texas, right? They they just light teams up with their offense when they're going. Miami's never going to do that, but they they have so much pitching. We've talked about it for years. They're supposed to get Trevor Rodgers back this week. That would make a ton of sense if you're going to move one. They've just proven they don't need him. They still have eventually Max Meyer, Johnny Cueto will come back at some point. Those guys will be there, so they have more pitching than they really need. But, you know, we talk about Luis Rice. Jorge Soler, this is this is the the 45 home run Jorge Soler looks like again. He he looks he can hit it out of any park, in. right? It, he is another one. He can hit it out of any park. He has huge power. You're not you're probably gonna get 250, but you know, 250 with 40 home runs is, is a good season. I like some of the like I like Brian De La Cruz. I, we kind of think we both kind of like Garrett Cooper. It needs more. It needs more to compete with, especially to compete like, with a team like the Braves, like perhaps a Jazz Chisholm. Well, that would help. He'll certainly help this team. So yes, th- they have reinforcements. Jazz Chisholm should be back at I think about probably sometime in July, probably around the All Star break. And sure, could you add a Tim Anderson or or some type of other offensive bat and make the playoffs? I think you could. I think I think they could make the playoffs this year. I'm not saying I would probably sit here and bet money on them making the playoffs at this point, but at this point, that that division is absolutely a four team race. They are absolutely in the same class as the Phillies and the maybe not the Braves, but they are in the same class as the Phillies and the disappointing Mets. Is this a team like we'll we'll say it for uh, so we're going to do off season uh, within it, whether we get to them fully next week or if it's one more week where we do more of a, a local breakdown. 
If not Tim Anderson, what about Willie Adamas? Uh, I think this could be an interesting conversation, depending upon where the where the Brewers feel their contention uh, uh, prospects are uh, within that. Uh, that's one that I could see definitely being on the on the radar uh, with uh, with that as well. Uh, next team, we, we talked about Corbin Carroll uh, uh, within it. Got to talk about the, the team as well. Uh, leaders in the AL West. Uh, Tied think, with the Braves. I think we expect Dodgers. You could, if everything broke right, it would be more of a surprise. But the Giants, if they're pitching with it, if they were in, in first right now, you could at least believe it. The Padres, you would uh, believe it with all the stuff that they've loaded up on their uh, their stars within it. Uh, but it's the Arizona Diamondbacks that are forty and twenty five, tied for best record in the National League, winners of five straight, eight and two in their last ten. Uh, they have the third best uh, run differential uh, in the National League. I. Uh, we expected them to compete for a wild card this year, uh, and as that talent uh, grew, matured, that uh, this team could potentially contend in the, uh, for the NL West title. Has tomorrow come today? So this is kind of the I don't want to say the opposite of the Marlins, but this team does it with offense, right? It's Cattell Marte, it's Corbin Carroll, Christian Walker, Lourdes Gurriel. Those guys are are very good players, and. And then you look at the pitching, and you're like, okay, well, how are they doing this? Because Zach Gallon's a star. He got hit a little bit around today. He's another one who's actually a former Cardinal and a former Marlin. That's who got traded for Jazz Chisholm because Jazz Chisholm was a Diamondback. So that's a there's a connection there. But Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly are fine. But then it's Tommy Henry, Zach Davies, Ryan Nelson. That doesn't sound like a playoff rotation. But they're getting it done right now, right? They're 40 and 25. Another one, right? If, you, if you're if sitting here June 11th, do I think the Diamondbacks win the National League West? No, right? I'll, I'll still take the Dodgers. But they've they've moved from, okay, this could be a team like Baltimore was last year where we talked about, you know, Diamondbacks are coming, but I didn't think they'd come this quick, and they're they're ahead of schedule, and just keep going as long as you can because they have more – another team, they have more talent coming. Like Brandon Fott was up. He was bad. He got sent back down. I think he'll be fine. Uh, they had Just the first, wasn't ready yet. Yeah, they had Jordan Lawler, who was the first pick a few years ago at Double A. We're not going to talk about him today. Uh, they had the first pick this year, Drew Jones. Like, so they they have a lot more talent coming. It's you're just ahead of schedule. Joe McCarthy for uh, Braxton Garrett. What are your thoughts on that type of trade? I don't know what their plan is with McCarthy. I so they send him down for a while, then they call him back up, and he's another one. They'll just like, okay, you're, there's nobody in front of you. Run wild. He stole like ten bases in a week. He's unbelievably fast. They need to. They should move him because they still have. They sent Alec Thomas, who we've seen be, I don't know, disappointing. But he, first off, he's a fantastic defender, like uh, unbelievable. He's glove first, defender. bat second. Then you and hope the bat will uh, will mature. And they don't time. need a lot of bat, right? Like I just said, you have Corbin Carroll and Lourdes Gurriel and Lourdes Gurriel in your outfield. Do you really need it? Another bat? I mean, it doesn't hurt, right? But they'd be fine. So yeah, I think Jake McCarthy is absolutely tradable. We'll uh, see what happens uh, uh, there within it, but we'll move to the. Uh, we'll give them the nomination for the, the heater of the week. Good for them. Uh, the Oakland Athletics, the surging A's, uh, have been on an absolute tear. They are winners of five in a row. Uh, they have uh, been not only uh, not only with the win streak, but if you go back about another uh, five games before that, they are pesky uh, and uh helps from being overlooked when things get uh, as bad as it's been there within it, but uh, they have battled teams far more competitively uh, than 
not only than what you expect there, but what you get on most on on a night by night basis uh, within this. Uh, winners of five in a row: Oakland Athletics, Heater of the Week. Look, going back to we'll go to May 29th because they've played four teams that would be in playoff contention. They took two or three against Atlanta. They got swept by Miami, and then two or three against Pittsburgh, and then they just got done sweeping Milwaukee. You know, the pitching has. The pitching is, if you look at the year-long stats, it's just horrendous. It's by far and away the worst in the in the league. But these games, two runs against Atlanta, one run against Atlanta. They lost four to two, then zero to four. Okay, one to twelve, but eleven to two they won. So the pitching the last few weeks here. Let's just look at this win streak: two runs allowed, five runs allowed, two runs allowed, one run allowed, and six runs allowed. Like, yeah, you're gonna lose some of those, but this is a team that early in the year was having a hard time keeping teams under like ten, and now it's at least if you're keeping you know five runs, this team can win. If you're going to win, if you're only going to have a five runs, this team can easily win 50 games if you're going to pitch like that. So we'll see. And I don't think they're going to run off some 15 or what was your, your team run 15 to start the year? Was that right? I'm right about that. 15, yeah. something like that. I don't think they're winning 15 in a row. But if you'd have told me, you know, coming in, I never thought they would have won five them. in a row, honestly. Like, like, I never thought this team would win this many games in a row. Uh, easy to overlook them. And against, you know, the Pittsburgh and Milwaukee are, are pretty good teams. Like, not, not great, but on paper, this should be better than Oakland, right? And so. It's good to see this team winning, and at this point, I know you texted me a couple weeks ago. Sure, I'll, I Oakland's probably a better team than Kansas City. Like they probably are a better team. I They're don't know if the one, records reflect one it yet. win. Uh, one win from tying them. Uh, Royals have lost six in a row. Uh, they're one and nine in their last ten. Uh, within it, uh, the uh, I want to see Oakland finish ahead of them because I think that's the only way that the Kansas City would be embarrassed by what what's going on within it. There needs to be massive change. Uh, in Kansas City, and I don't necessarily say without diving into it what all those specifics are, but they are as crazy as it is. You can talk with so many other different teams within it, but they are the team that has underachieved the most to me in all of Major League Baseball. You can't have that good of a young core and be this bad. It's unacceptable across the board. That's the difference, right? So Kansas City is massively like Oakland might be the worst team, but we expected it. Kansas City should not be even in Oakland's ballpark. Like, you look at the talent on Kansas City, you could say there's four or five players that would be Oakland's best player or should be Oakland's best player. You know, Bobby Witt, MJ Melendez, Salvador Perez, and uh, who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting one of their other young – oh, Vinny Pasquantino. Like, you would look and you say, those are four probably the best players on Oakland's roster. And even Nick Prado is showing Nick promise. Nick been good. Like, there's, there's been – Kansas City should be better. Oakland, we, we wrote them off, and yeah, now they're, they're playing well. So good for them. We will uh, turn our attention to the three questions for the week, uh, and we've already talked about, uh, as we get to this time of year, things start hinting at the trade deadline is still uh, far enough away that not likely to have anything anytime soon. Small rumblings about things that could be in Kansas City within it for starting things early. We'll see what happens there, but uh, right now, let's talk about uh, the preeminent starting pitchers that might be available in trade, especially after some injuries have knocked out the expected. So Edwin Rodriguez was the uh, one of those guys mentioned within it. Now injuries taken that out. So who's left in this field as we look at uh, a lot of – this is a – when so many teams are quote-unquote in it with a third wild card, uh, it's, it's bad PR to, to pull it back and close up shop and say, all right, maybe next year. Uh, when you can still try to leave off the premise of fans that, you know, if everything breaks just right, we might be able to sneak in there within it. So it changes the full dynamic of the trade deadline. Uh, mm-hmm. And this year is even more challenging when it comes to pitching. So I have six names for you. I'll, I'll get your. So first off is Otani. That's a whole different ball 
that's a whole different talk, right? So we don't have to talk about him. We talk about him enough. There's a lot of reports right now that the Cleveland Guardians are expected to trade Shane Bieber here, and apparently there will be a market for him. So Bieber's pitching well in a, in a different way than we've ever seen before. He's always – he's not an overpowering – you know, he's not Bobby Miller. He's not Yuri Perez. He's not – somebody who's dominant going to throw 97 he's he's a soft tosser who gets by and he's he's did he win a Cy Young I think he won a Cy Young off of it right like he's fantastic he's very good at what he does but Cleveland has so much pitching they have so many pitchers they have Bybee's looked good and Logan Allen's look good and Tristan McKenzie looks great and we Gavin Williams is arguably the best of them all we'll talk about him in a little bit here so I do think Shane Bieber moves because our reports are it's going to happen here and he is extremely cheap so do you have any any thoughts about Shane Bieber moving? The, the teams that you would expect to be most aggressive. Uh, now it's a question: of, Are they willing to trade in the American League? That's always the mm-hmm. they, they try to teams like this. I watch the Rays do it so many times. Their their preference is to trade with the National League teams, so you don't see the players coming back and potentially biting you within. Especially when you are trying to be a contending team at the same time, you don't want one of these trades trades to backfire and then knock you out of the postseason within it. Uh, which becomes bad PR at the same time. Uh, but if they did go in the uh, uh, American League, Baltimore makes a oh, ton of sense with their farm percent. system too. Like that percent. is the, the the type of move for them to really go at it. Uh, and they have the farm system to get something nice within it where that might be enough for Cleveland to stick uh, within the, the American League uh, that way. If they actually had a farm system to work with, the Angels are the team that would be aggressive trying to do that uh, versus trading Otani, picking up a pitcher within it is one that you could definitely see. Uh, Arizona, uh, if things continue to look this way, they need, could you imagine being able to put him with Zach Allen uh, within it to uh, really compete in the West within it? And again, another farm system that could handle that type of trade within it. So I think those are the teams that stand out the most to me that would be the potentially most aggressive uh, in going for him. Next name on my list, what about Lucas Giolito? Because it's a bounce back. I don't always buy everything he does. I, I don't think he's at 375 ERA. We've seen him do that, but he's doing it in a whole, whole – another one. He's doing it in a whole different way. I think he's like a mid-fours ERA, but I think there will be absolutely would be a market should Lucas Giolito become available. Now, I believe he has one more year after this, which is the same that – I thought he was a rental. I think he, oh, he was, might be a rental. Okay. Oh, yeah. Bieber is a rental. Bieber has arbitration, right? Bieber yep. has arbitration after this. Yes, Lucas Giolito is a rental. I believe you are correct on that. And that's what his demand will be higher than Bieber uh, because as a rental, it's going to keep the costs down uh, uh, to an, an extent within it. The demand will bring the cost still back up uh, for that, but I, I think he's going to be the most coveted available pitcher uh, with it. Now, we're saying that as. Uh, uh, the White Sox are still trying to believe they can dig themselves back out of this hole uh, in the AL Central. Uh, despite being 29 and 38, they're only four and a half back uh, in the AL Central. So there is a situation like that one will take up till closer to the deadline. Uh, the White Sox have six weeks to show if they can get back in this or not. Uh, otherwise, Giolito becomes the best available or the most uh, sought after pitcher at the deadline. Here's a weird one. The St. Louis Cardinals have slumped again. They are back to 27 and 39. Jack Flaherty, not that long ago, considered a very high-level pitcher. He is also going to be a rental. He's a free agent after this year, too, I believe. Somehow he has a 4.15 ERA. He's doing that while walking a solid five batters per nine innings. I don't know how he's houdining his way out of it, but could someone take a chance on Jack Flaherty and hope that you can – rebuild we're 
two years removed or three years removed from a 275 ERA over 196 innings. He is 27. He's not old. What's, what about Jack Flaherty? Where are we at with him? It's hard because you're not going to get as much for him at this point because you're looking at someone that you might be able to fix. Think uh, Jesus Lazardo. Uh, that's the same type of a uh, type of trade that was made. Now he did uh, get things fixed uh, enough in Miami has become a nice uh, pitcher within it, but it wasn't like they got a lot for him. Uh, with an, you're talking about that type of trade. Is it better for this type of guy? The question is, can he rebound at all? where he is does it have to be change of scenery and is this one of those where uh it's addition by subtraction that's what the cardinals have to evaluate as part of that and i think only they know uh in their minds now granted their uh advice on on uh, guys being ready to, to move on to somewhere else uh versus keeping talent in house you know we gave pittsburgh so much crap <laughs> for all the players that they have left uh, uh that have gone on to be elite somewhere else St. Louis is just as bad. They don't get any of the credit or any of the blame, but they are just as bad. Adolis Garcia, Randy Arozarena, Zach Gallen, uh, Zach Gallen, Sandy Alcantara. Uh, the amount of, like you could put together uh, uh, the makings of an elite foundation with what they have traded away, and which isn't bad. They still are good if too. you got something yeah. in return that would make it worth it, and they haven't been able to make those trades. Uh, so. It'll be interesting to see. I think uh, I don't see them moving him because I don't think they get enough for him. But if they get frustrated enough, I could see them doing a change of scenery. The bigger question is Shohei Otani is not going anywhere. The Angels are not going to. Uh, they don't want to deal with the PR. They don't want. They still want to in their minds. They still want to try to convince him to stay, uh, and will offer him a massive contract. I think you'd be better off trading him because I think he's going to the Dodgers or somewhere else. I don't think he stays because I don't think you have shown enough of a plan of how you're going to keep him. But So to me, the true superstar that could be on the move of this deadline or the one to watch is Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, he's got one year left on his contract, so not a straight rental. They have a position player glut where it actually would help them with their young players as part of what they need to do next. Uh, they'd be doing right by him. Uh, they would get ver a very good return for him. If you're not competing this year, uh, again, next year, it'd be nice to have him, but considering that you could probably, I mean, name your price. for Now, again, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do the Miami Marlins, so it'd be fun to get the pitching back from them. They would be able to offer exactly what you'd want for something like that uh, within it. So that's the one to monitor. I don't know if they'll pull the trigger or not, but as far as the actual superstar that could be available or traded at the deadline, who's this year's Juan Soto in a different way, not the young part of it, but as far as impact within it, I think it's Goldschmidt. We'll see what happens. I have one more pitching name for you. We talked about him last week when we were talking about the Cy Young Award. We mentioned him as a dark horse. Marcus Stroman had another six and two-thirds this week, another quality starting in San Francisco. That is now... Five straight quality starts. He's won five games. He has a 242 ERA, a 104 whip, and he has, I believe, he has officially has an opt out after this year. He will a million percent opt out, barring him, you know, falling off a cliff, which is not going to happen because he never falls off a cliff. He's always consistent. This is actually the best we've ever seen of him. Does Marcus Stroman get traded? I don't think so because they're wanting to they're wanting to add pieces mm -hmm. overall, even if they don't add this year uh, within it. Uh, you finally have, you got a, a pitcher that uh, works in your ballpark. It's not the easiest ballpark to play in with the the windy city and all the stuff that goes within it. Uh, it makes sense to, to keep him more than it does to trade him uh, with what their overall thoughts are on it. I just don't see it happening. He works anywhere. Listen to the okay. So 
his regular ERA fluctuates, but that's luck. But his 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 FIP since 2017: 390, 391, 372, 349, 376, 348. Like he is just rock solid, consistent because people just pound the ball into the ground. So yeah, if the bad bit runs high, he runs a higher ERA. But otherwise, if it runs low, he runs a low ERA because you just don't elevate the ball on him. So I, I've always been a Marcus Stroman guy, and it's good to see. You know, this is. Looking really good right now. I don't think he gets – he's the other one. I don't think he gets traded. I didn't – you can mention Blake Snell. This looks like the good stretch for Blake Snell. He is also a rental. He's on now three straight quality starts. So maybe this is a stretch where he'll turn in his you know, 12 straight dominant starts before he forgets what he's doing again or whatever happens with him. I don't know if they'll trade him. If they do, I San Diego is just an almost impossible team to figure out because they sh- – It depends how far they slide. They're nine yeah. back right now. I know. But there's, again, six weeks before you even have to really consider it. He will not be moved early. But if the week of, of the trade deadline, they're still sitting nine back uh, within it. Uh, especially when at that type of record, you're not getting a wild card. That's going to go somewhere else for those types of teams within it. So if you're that far back and have no shot, I could see them moving Blake Snell. Uh, I don't see them moving any core pieces until the offseason. Because ultimately, this will be one of the last decisions that their GM makes. Say, that, uh, he's dead man walking. AJ Preller, if this team misses the playoffs, I don't know how AJ Preller does not get fired, but and becomes one of the more coveted spots because yeah. uh, uh, the owner will still spend. They're not done spending yet, so we'll see what happens with that as, as that moves on to uh, confidence in. Uh, <laughs> I never thought I'd say I'd have more confidence in Blake Snell than another pitcher, but that leads to the next question within it: uh, How confident are you? that Alex Manoa can be repaired or fixed? <sighs> that's, a good, that's a good one. Biggest, uh, biggest pitching disappointment, individual pitcher yeah. uh, so far this season within it. And if you could say you'd rather have Jacob deGrom's perpetual injury issues than you would Alex right. Manoa right now as far as, like, I know what's wrong. I know when he's healthy, he's going to be one of the best three pitchers on the planet. This... Look at the my, wheels have fallen off completely. Manoa was a 24-year-old last year who had a 224-year-old, 116 games, over 196 innings. It's not like he this was, was... He had strong Cy Young uh, it, consideration for predictions. in the voting. He finished yeah. behind Cease Verlander. Like, it's not like this... He wasn't proven, and now he leads base 58 innings. He had 42 walks with a 636-year-old, and they sent him to Complex League. Like, honestly, I don't care about the level. Honestly, it doesn't matter. They're just going to tell him to, to work on his mechanics. Here's my feelings on Alec Manoa. Baseball reference list submits 6'6", 285. He's a huge man. I don't want to sit here and you know rip on the, the dude's weight. It worked for him. But the pitch clock means that he has to go faster. And he was always extremely, extremely slow. Like, he would take his sweet time up on the mound, and now he can't do that anymore. I don't know if that's it. I'm not a doctor. I do not know if he's wearing out really quickly because he has to pitch so much faster at his large size. But that's about the only thing I can come up with because otherwise it makes no sense. Alec Manoa has proven that he's very good. He's done it for over the first year. He's thrown almost 300 innings at this time before that with a sub, even including this year where he's now at 366. He has a 319 career array. That's including how terrible he's been this year. So he was probably a sub three ERA going into this year over two years. Beyond the pitch clock, nothing else makes sense. I think he's fixable. I don't know when it'll be. It may not be this year, but I'm not. I will go out on a limb and say that Alec Manoa is back at some point and throws another sub three and a half ERA season. I guess. 
yeah, I'd have co- I have confidence in his long term mm-hmm. uh, ability to turn it around because you don't go from being that good to all of a sudden being the Chuck Knobloch of pitchers uh, within it. You didn't just all of a sudden forget like, his control. Everything's gone. Everything's out of whack. And so what I will say is the, the Blue Jays did make the right move. Get, oh, him out, to like, get him out of you, there. Not only out of there, but then put him back to the complex. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just going to work on mechanics. Don't worry about results or anything else. We're just going to get back to pitching, do the basics with it, and keep working at it. And you don't put a timetable on it because you're telling him, our concern is about your long-term uh, success. Uh, and I think if he buys into that, getting out of the pressure of, of everything snowballing the way that it has, uh, he's fixable. Is he fixable this year? Do they leave him there? Does he come back in September uh, having things uh, righted with him? I think that's the best-case scenario. I don't think he's back before September. And I think he has to show that, that, that whatever has happened, he's got his mechanics in order, and he's looking like the pitcher he's been in his first two years. Uh, otherwise, I think it's it's spring, uh, and then hoping that with everything that they're doing with him, that they get him back starting next year. Uh, but it's the most surprising uh, development in Major League Baseball this year. Toronto, man. They have some weird things going on up there. I mentioned uh, Jacob deGrom uh, within it, and it leads to the last uh, question. I, what? Where are we at in his stage of the uh, the career? What's uh, what's the prognosis? Uh, uh, he's looking at a second Tommy John surgery, uh, and if uh, you, f- you feel bad for him, you saw the emotion as in the press conference within it, the frustration of of uh, where health has been, uh, and the vow to uh, uh, come back in near record time uh, for it. We'll see uh, all, all those things, but does he have a second half of his career? Uh, like like we see some of these guys that have come through, like Justin Verlander uh, uh, within it. Uh, is that still possible for him, realistic for him? Where do you put Jacob deGrom uh, in what maybe in the uh, second half of his career? Okay, so we're sitting here. Ver- DeGrom's going to turn 36 in about two weeks, not even, in about a week. He'll turn 36 years old. He will miss the rest of the season. He can say what he wants. I'd be shocked if we see him for more than a, like a month or so next year, I'd be sh- absolutely shocked. After the trade deadline, I think is best case scenario. Yeah, at best case scenario. And this is a guy now who 2020, yes, I believe that was the shortened season. He threw 68 innings. Since then, 92, 64, and we're at 30 this year. I don't know what to expect out of him anymore. I Like 100 and we've always said like, could you get 130 out of him? I think it's just best case scenario. Now he might strike out 200 guys in 130 innings. If he's fully fine, he can do that. There is still, I would say there's no better pitcher, but we just don't know anymore. Could he do a Justin Verlander? I, I wrote Justin Verlander F last year. I did. I said, I don't know what to believe it. I don't believe a 40-year-old coming back. And he won a Cy Young award. He's a Hall of Famer. Jacob deGrom, I don't know if he's got enough innings, but while he's pitched, he's absolutely a Hall of Famer for what he's put on the field. He has not lost an ounce of stuff. No, not an ounce. Absolutely not. When he, was, he had 30 innings this year, he had a 267 ERA with a .75 whip. He has not had a one whip since 2017. That is how fantastic he is. You know what I'd like to see him do? It's, it's been it's been at least two decades since we've had this happen. Best case scenario for Jake DeGrom? Do the Roger Clemens. Sign for the second half of a year and help a team down down the stretch with like go that's, win a ward, go win a go win a World Series like, yeah, like just, you just play that. with the disappointing like, Mets. Like uh, take your time within it. Be used for ten starts, second half of a year, and playoffs. Like that's. I would I would rather see him do that 
and kind of try to find this new way of, of, of doing things that where there's precedent to doing it rather than you're not getting 200 innings from him. Uh, you're not getting 150 innings from him. And, and if you're not getting 150 innings from him, you know how hard it is for a team to, to balance out what do you do with the rotation spot within it. Uh, it it's it's an, an absolute mess uh, of, of, of what to do. He'll be a year-to-year contract I, as soon as the Ranger thing is, is done. It's three years, so he'll get through that third season within it. But why would you ever sign him more than one year at, at this point, especially at that age and health within it? Who's giving him a multi-year deal uh, Look, I, there? I want all the best from Jacob DeGrom. I think you know he's he's amazing. I'd love to see him come back, but do I think he has a Justin Verlander? Like, I don't. I just... You, Verlander Justin was Verlander built different. He be, was other than the one Tommy. Right. He was healthy beyond that. Tommy John's really, Justin Verlander eight innings. Like Jacob Degrom hasn't eight innings since twenty nineteen, and that was really only a three year. And he was always older when he came up. Right, he was a twenty six mm-hmm. year old rookie, which isn't old, but you know, Elie De La Cruz is twenty years old. Like these guys are really young. Jacob Degrom wasn't young, so he's looking at being thirty seven. And no, I don't think he's going to eat innings in latest. I don't think. You know, we talk about Clayton Kershaw. Jacob DeGrom, Clayton Kershaw has a back thing where he flares up on him every so often. He takes his few weeks off. This is repeated history now of arm injuries with Jacob DeGrom. And I hope I'm wrong. I don't think I am. Give me an August, September, and October. That's what I want out of him uh, within it. I don't want five seasons within it. I'll still give 10 to $15 million on a one-year deal pitching just August, September, October. Like That's that's all that you want uh, from a, a Jacob deGrom type signing. We'll see if he tries to do anything like that. Uh, he's competitive enough to try to, to figure out that. The question is, he's stubborn enough uh, to not accept a, a different role uh, that still allows for the, those opportunities. We'll see. Uh, when we come back here, we'll take a look at uh, uh, rundown 10 prospects to know. Uh, biggest riser in this year's uh, assistant with it. Who's making names uh, that otherwise uh, either was an unknown or uh, is now uh, rising to potential uh, uh, fans drooling over uh, superstardom like the next Ellie De La Cruz coming up next. Cut my egg. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk. I can't, sir. It's liquid. Imbecile! Freeze it, then cut it. You! Bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party with you, cowboy. Now, you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, Hula Hoops, and Pac-Man video games, don't you see? People today have attention spans that can only be measured in nanoseconds. <laughs> be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Bolton fan. Yes! That's awesome! Nothing better than sipping on a summer margarita and talking baseball as we... Uh, uh, Break down some uh, farm systems for, you know, we'll talk about trade deadlines for uh, acquisitions that could impact contenders down the stretch. Uh, but it's the farm system that uh, GMs and uh, executives are having the biggest conversation on right now. You're having uh, in June more of the call ups that are coming within. You've already had a chance to see uh, some games uh, within to see how things have started. And they're trying to gauge uh, the talent level, both for long term as well as. Uh, can they help solve needs right away uh, uh, for uh, contending this year? Uh, or do they need to be more aggressive in different categories by the time they get to the trade deadline? So teams are looking at this, and we're going to take a look at uh, 10 prospects to know that could uh, potentially help those contenders down the stretch. 
number one, I'm going to start with Andrew Painter. So Andrew Painter was more than likely going to start the year in the rotation for the Phillies. Dombrowski's all but said that. Yes. Now, then he had an arm injury, an elbow injury, which the scare was, of course, you know, Tommy John. Now, he was a 20-year-old who would have – he's still barely 20. So if he took Tommy John, he misses this year, he's back next year. I looked – while doing the research for the heater, he just threw a 20-pitch bullpen session. It's something. They did not do the Tommy John. We've seen it work where they don't do it. They've seen it work where they – we've seen it not work, right? But – Andrew Painter, if he comes up at the end of the year, Philly is hanging around. We've said it before; they just need to hang around. Painter could be dominant. Like he's a six foot seven guy who last year pitched to a one fifty six ERA between high A, double A, or low A, high A, and double A. A one fifty six ERA over one hundred and three innings with one hundred and fifty five strikeouts. And he was great in spring training. He was great. He had dominant stuff. I maybe I don't think we're going to see him start this year. I think we'll see him start next year right away. But I think that if Painter can prove that his elbow is good enough, if Philly's in contention, he could come in and be a dominant reliever. And we talked about how Philly struggled with relief pitchers, but dominant reliever down the stretch who then leans into a starter and could be, you know, Yuri Perez has been, we talked about Bobby Miller. Yuri Perez and Bobby Miller have been the best, I think, unless I'm forgetting someone who's been amazing. Taj Bradley's been really good, but like those three have been the best. Bryce Miller had some stretches, but I think Andrew Painter is right up there with the Yuri Perez's of the world as far as talent-wise. And they could, uh, from starter to uh, uh, impacting as more of a, a one-inning guy uh, within it for a, or like a two-inning guy, like a multi-inning uh, X-factor uh, come playoff time within. I think they will watch his health and see how things are and determine a role for him. But uh, they have uh, door number one, door number two, door number three for how they plan to use him. Uh, and I think the odds are extremely high that he impacts uh, that team down the stretch in one which way, shape, or form. Here's another one that's going to impact the team. So the reason that the Guardians are so willing to trade Shane Bieber is that Tanner Bybee and Logan Allen have been great. Uh, technically, from all reports, Gavin Williams is their best pitching prospect, like better than what they actually have seen. Gavin Williams this year between AA and AAA, over 55 innings, has struck out 76 with a 4-1 and record and a 2.28 ERA. All signs are this is another, you know, he's a lefty, or no, he's, excuse me, he's righty, but Another one, huge fastball. This is not the Shane Bieber, like, I don't know what the word is, uh, finesse pitcher. This is a big fastball. This is Bobby Miller again. This is someone who can bring it at six foot six and should be a top of the rotation fixture along with Tristan McKenzie for Cleveland for years. And we know that they know how to develop pitching. We just talked about all those guys that they've developed. Gavin Williams has the most to work with. He's the exact reason why uh, Shane Bieber is likely to be traded uh, at this deadline because they have someone like that ready to jump in. There won't be a significant uh, loss or hurt uh, harm to that rotation. Uh, it's a way to also then, they've done it so well with their previous trades, right? For guys that they've traded big name guys, uh, but gotten a talent that has been helped them then and, and move forward within it. Uh, he's another exciting arm to, to, that we'll see in the second half of the year. This next one is for Baltimore. I think we would have already seen Colton Kowser, except he got put on the minor league IL with a quad tightness. Otherwise, Cedric Mellons just went on the IL not that long ago, and I'm pretty sure we would have seen Colton Kowser replace him. Look, this is we talk about Baltimore all the time. We're going to talk about another one of their players in a second here, but this year between high A, double A, and now triple A, so he's won all three levels. Or Excuse me, this year he's just at triple A. I was looking at the wrong line. This year just at triple A. Nine doubles, eight home runs, 31 RBIs, five steals. He's hitting 336 last year, 19 home runs, 18 steals. He hit 278 between all those levels. Colton Cowser is another very high-end outfield prospect who 
absolutely should be a part of the future as far very shortly here in Baltimore as a lefty. I think he's the prototypical number two hitter and yeah, we'll talk about another Baltimore guy here in a second here. Well, why don't we dive him into him as, as well? And we'll kind of talk about them uh, uh, collectively. So the other one is Jordan Westberg going into the year. You would have talked about Connor Norby. Gunnar Henderson started slow. I think he has three straight days now with a home run. Uh, he's he's uh, making the strides now. I was going to mention him. Yeah. Absolutely. So Jordan Westberg can play short. He can play second. He can play third. He is the prototypical utility man who maybe doesn't have a home, but wherever he plays, he's going to be good. It's like hard to say that he's been overlooked in the system, but he's been kind of overlooked because they have so many ta- so much talent. But this year he's forcing their issue. Uh, right now in 55 games at AAA, he has... 17 home runs, 52 RBIs, five steals, hitting 305. He had 14 doubles last year, like a quiet 27 home run, 106 RBI, 12 steal, 265 season. The only question ever is like, where's he going to play, right? Should he play over Jorge Mateo? Probably, right? Uh, An infield that includes Jordan Westberg is really good. And I think we've talked about Baltimore for a while being full of talent. And here's a couple of guys that I think we'll see by the all-star breakup in big major league baseball. Do we see Grayson Rodriguez? Uh, he, you know, <sighs> the control issues have been the, the challenge there. Uh, yeah, the, uh, just like, and it's not even the, the walks are, are something, but it hasn't been, it hasn't been like, uh, anywhere near like, like full on wheels, uh, falling off track. It's just being too hittable. Uh, for someone who's got uh, strikeout stuff, the control just hasn't been – it's been a dose of reality uh, that what you can get away with just on, on stuff in AAA, if you don't have it located well, uh, you will get teed up in, in the majors, and that's what we've seen from him. I, I have no concerns with him long-term. This is part of that maturation process of getting him ready to go that he's just not ready to jump out with that. But can he still help them yet this year? I think you said he just has such dominant stuff that he's probably never learned how to be – a pitcher, right? He, He's he a just, thrower, not he can a just pitcher. Absolutely, throw it by anybody at high A, double A, and just dominate them, right? Well, major league players are really good, so he's got to learn now how to sequence his pitches a little better, and just learn how to paint some corners a little bit. What I rely on Grayson Rodriguez for this team if they make the playoffs, probably not. Uh, but like you said, next year, if player, if people are out like in fantasy on Grayson Rodriguez, I will snap up every single share of Grayson Rodriguez. And I will take my chances that this player who's every bit the prospect that Yuri Perez, Bobby Miller is, that he's figured it out. Because I think Grayson Rodriguez will be just fine. Let's go to, we talk about one of your guys. So how about Kyle Manzardo on the Rays? So I was between Meade and Manzardo. Meade has not had nearly the year that Manzardo has had. Health. He's had some injury issue issues, right? Some shoulder stuff, I believe, is what I read up. But Manzardo, now the question is, where is he going to play? And, and that's. Kind of always been the question, but nine home runs, 31 RBIs, 266 average. It's not the insane 327 that we saw last year, but this is a this is a new level. This is AAA. This is the first time he's ever played at AAA. He's still just 22 years old, which means he's very young for AAA. I would like to think we'll see him this year, but I don't know. They, they've got such good play out of Yanni Diaz that I'm not sure where this is at. This, this is absolutely the Vinny Pasquantino starter kit of the – uh, guy who draws walks, who can hit for power. Maybe it's not his big game. Maybe he only hits 20 home runs, but he does that while hitting 280 and drawing a lot of walks. Do we see him this year? See, I I went back and looked at uh, 
stats. I wanted to see how he was doing because there was a, a lot of uh, uh, hype and excitement uh, for him coming into the season. And I saw numbers like, okay, maybe there's an adjustment going on in AAA solid. Nothing bad, nothing concerning, just not at the, uh, the elite level. Uh, but then I, I dug a little further to see. Uh, the concern with Manzardos, can he learn to hit left-handed pitching? Uh, he is a right now a platoon bat, and if you think those numbers were average before, if I said this was his numbers versus uh, versus right-handers, 313 average, 415 on base percentage, 588 slugging percentage, 1.003 OPS. That'll play. Uh, strong side platoon. Uh, where this becomes more interesting for the Rays is that to me says he is major league ready versus right-handed pitching. Now, what team works very well at mixing and matching its players uh, in the major in Major League Baseball? He, he's they'll find a role from where he can fit very well. The key is Brandon Lau's back. How healthy is he? Because that can move Isak Paredes to a second base, uh, Yandy Diaz back to third, and you have a first base spot then open. For Luke Rayleigh has done extremely well with him, but they rotated between outfield and first base. Uh, there is a role for him. Question is, uh, is it before September or what do they do uh, uh, within that? But I think he does play uh, this year within it. And I think once he's there in the role that they're going to give him, his his batting eye is good. It's not a Josh Lowe situation where uh, where it took a while for him to, to figure out his swing to hit the, the high fastball. Kyle Manzardo is ready to go with, with his swing overall. Uh, what's nice is that the nine home runs in... Uh, in fifth in fifty two games, nine home runs and one hundred and thirty one at bats versus right handed pitching. That type of driving with authority is, is the key. I think Manzaro does play uh, does have a role for the Rays down the stretch. Cool. Uh, let's go to a Pittsburgh Pirate who they are in contention. So Andy Rodriguez's year this year is not nearly as impressive as it was last year. Last year between the high A, double A, and triple A levels. Listen to this stats. 39 doubles, four triples, 25 home runs, 95 RBIs. You were talking about the triple slash. How about a 323, 407, 590 for a catcher? He plays catcher. Now they've moved him to the outfield. He can play second because they drafted Henry Davis with the first pick a few years ago, who was also a fantastic catching prospect. So they had to find a way to get Andy Rodriguez in the lineup so he can play multiple positions. This year, it's not as good, but, you know, 33 runs, four home runs, 19 RBIs, four steals, 251 for a guy who's learning a new position because they needed to move him. Pittsburgh has low-key has a bright future themselves. I don't know where Andy Rodriguez is going to play. I think we will see him. If Pittsburgh is in contention, I think that he instantly, they have Brian Reynolds, who they locked up. They have Jackson Winsky, who's pretty young and pretty talented himself, but you could easily put him in the outfield. You could put him at second. G1 Bays stole some bases for them, but he struggles to hit. And so I think Andy Rodriguez might be up this year. If they continue to hang around uh, with, with contention with them, I think they'll take a shot at that and add some uh, uh, excitement with the, the the upside play. Now here is the one that has to be hanging out down at AAA Louisville looking around like, where's all my guys at? Because <laughs> as L.A. De La Cruz gets called up, we keep waiting for Christian Encarnacion Strand to get the call. Encarnacion Strand was traded from Minnesota to Cincinnati. Was I think it was the Tyler Molly trade, I'm pretty sure, was what got... Him there, and he started the year injured, so he's only played 42 games. Now, listen to these stats, because they are absurd. 41 runs, 17 home runs, 46 RBIs, a 362 average, a 427 on base percentage, a 735 slug. That is an absurd number. 
I don't really understand why he's not already playing first base. Spencer Steer has been fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Spencer Steer has been fantastic. But there's got to be a way you can move make this to work. DH. Like move. Okay. Right. An infield of Spencer Steer at first, Jonathan India second, Matt McLean has been fantastic at shortstop, Ellie De La Cruz at third, and Christian Encarnacion Strand is one of the most fun young infields in all of baseball. Like maybe the best like young fun team in baseball. There's no reason that Christian Encarnacio, like what, what is he? I would like to know what they tell him every day. Like this is what you need to improve on. Cause okay. He's only walked 19 times, draw more walks. Like he's got a 427 on base percentage. He needs to at least come up to the majors and, and get a, a dose of whatever that reality may be. And what he still has to learn. Cause right now, AAA is not com- a competition for him, and he's not going to get it until he actually gets uh, something that happens and, and the majors that says, well, okay, this is how I need to refine my game. This is what I need to work on. Coaches can tell you all the time, until you experience it, for someone who's doing that well, you don't believe that you're, you feel like you're being wasting away in AAA yeah, versus seeing something there. Like, we just talked about that. You need time to actually see, can I do it, or can I... like. Okay, this was okay. It doesn't have to be a bad uh, debut. Uh, but then, like, okay, these aspects, now I understand what the coaches are saying. Now I've seen it here within. This is what I need to work on. And then that makes your AAA development that much better. He needs at least a cup of coffee uh, uh, and let it be results-based on how he does and how things perform uh, within it. But chances are, this guy has nothing left to prove. He needs to be up. If it was already wondering, you know, what's going on with Ailey De La Cruz, we're at that. We're at this way for uh, Christian and Carson Strand as well. We were just talking about the Los Angeles Dodgers' ability to develop pitching. They've done it seemingly again. Emmett Sheehan, kind of out of nowhere. Uh, Emmett Sheehan, actually, I shouldn't say out of nowhere. Last year, at 68 innings, he struck out 106 batters with a 291 ERA for Double A. They have him going to Double A again. 53 innings, 88 strikeouts. He's given up 24 hits in 53 innings. He has a 186 ERA, a .88 whip. Another six foot five, hard throwing right hander. They just drill these guys on trees. It's you know we could talk about five, six Dodgers prospects that are probably major league ready that are blocked. And Sheehan is seemingly the next Gavin Stone. The four or five starts we saw didn't really work out. I think he'll be okay. I don't know if he's going to be dominant. He's, he relies on the changeup. Sheehan's another one, just chucking fastballs up there, getting by guys. The, okay, we between the Rays, the Guardians and the Dodgers, like if they dra- if they draft a pitcher, if they trust a pitcher, you should probably bank that he's going to be probably pretty good because those are the three that seem to have this down to a science. Yeah, it, the uh, another one that you're looking for to see uh, uh, the opportunity there uh, for what can happen in the second half of the year. So the Brewers, we're gonna talk about a Brewer here, uh, Sal Freelich. We kind of thought that he'd be up at the beginning of the year, and then they went with Joey Weimer. Weimer had a Four-hit day this week has looked pretty good at times. But I think Freelich, Freelich then broke his thumb or tore his – no, he tore the UCL in your thumb, which I didn't even know you had. So he's only been up 72 times. But this is a guy who had 331 last year across three levels. Uh, I think that he's going to get healthy. The Brewers could desperately use some offensive spark here. I think their future outfield is probably Yelich, Freelich in center, Joey, or Joey Weimer in center, Sale Freelich in right, or some combination of that. I think we see Sal Freelick probably up after the All-Star game, and I think he probably bets like leadoff. I, I wouldn't be surprised if right away they don't plug him very high up into the lineup because it's a guy who, you know, for his career now, he's at last year he had a 4.03 on base percentage the year before that, 4.14, 4.43. 
474. That's his minor league on base percentage. I think they're going to plug him in very high early on, and he's going to bet pretty high in the Brewers lineup. Where are we at with uh, uh, everyone's obviously following the the bigger name uh, farther uh, further back? Churio's right. Uh, the uh, what's the 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 prognosis for him? He's obviously advancing beyond what normally happens at his age group. How far away is it before you guys can truly dream of him being in Milwaukee? I think it's probably next year. I think he's got to cut down the strike. So he's a 19-year-old at AA. That is pretty much, you know, that is the stars of the stars that you see that for. That is the Wander Francos. That is the Ronald Acuna's. He's had eight home runs. He has 16 steals. He's hitting 245. He's striking out. He struck out 57 times in 237 at-bats. He's striking out too much. He's extremely young. Like, it. I don't think we see him this year, but... But I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get a midseason call up next year and pushes Christian Yelich probably to DH. Christian Yelich doesn't really have the arm to play outfield anymore. He really should be the DH at this point. But yeah, Churios, I would be surprised to see him this year. I think we'll probably see him next year. The last name I have for players that I think are possibly to be seen this year. So the Yankees could desperately, we're looking at the Yankees lineup before we started talking on the air and. Without Aaron Judge, it sounds terrible. Like, it sounds rough. I think we might see Jason Dominguez this year. So, Jason Dominguez, like, when he got signed out of the Dominican Republic, was quickly compared to, like, Mike Trout, which is an unbelievably unfair comparison. And he did just fine. Like, last year, but as a 19-year-old between high A, double A, and double A, 16 home runs, stole 37 bases, hit 273. He has one of the weirdest stat lines you'll ever see because he's hit nine home runs. He has 34 RBIs, 14 steals. He's only hitting 203, but he has a 394 on base percentage because he's walking so much. Like, that is a, I don't know, Kyle Schwarber better than, like, line. That's Remember, Yasmani Grandal had a line like that a few years ago where he can't get any hits to drop, but he's walking so much. So he's struck out 58 times, but he's walked 46. He absolutely tore apart spring training, if you remember, with the Yankees. There was a lot of talk. Would he make the team? When they cut Aaron Hicks, I thought it was possible. They're playing, we looked at this before we started, they're playing, like, Jake Bowers, and Billy McKinney in their outfield. I think it's possible that it's a 20-year-old. We see Jason Dominguez uh, in center field this year for the Yankees, or in an outfield spot. I shouldn't say center, but in an outfield spot for the Yankees. Any bat that has any potential whatsoever needs to be given consideration there with uh, within it. They need uh, more offense beyond uh, the guy named Aaron Judge. Uh, let's talk uh, briefly about uh, just biggest uh, for player, uh, biggest riser, uh, and biggest concern or someone who's had a, uh, uh, a more of a regression uh, the first half of this year? I think it's Encarnacion Strand. Encarnacion Strand was considered like a middling, not, I don't want to say a middling prospect, but a if you looked at a list, he probably is around like 80. Whereas if you look at it now and he's hitting you know mid 300s with this many home runs, I think he's probably your biggest riser. Ooh, biggest concern. Hmm. I mean, Andrew Painter being hurt certainly does not help that that among this list. But I don't, I don't have a whole lot of concern for him. I would say I was, I have concerns now about Jordan Walker. I know he's up in the big leagues. He technically qualifies. He's he's back. He had some hits this week. He just doesn't lift the ball now. Originally, that was the Vlad Junior concern too. He fixed it. I don't know about the Cardinals' development though. That's just it. I I don't I. I I want him somewhere else uh, for for his sake. Within, I think he's got a ton of talent and potential within it. Uh, I'm afraid of them really messing him up. Uh, I, I think there's definitely there now. Maybe he wasn't uh, 
the shine is worn off. Uh, maybe the ceiling isn't quite as much as what was there, but there's a solid major leaguer there that can play good defense at third or play right field. Uh, with like, there's there's possibilities there uh, of an everyday guy that can be above average, uh, even if he doesn't hit 30 home runs uh, within it. You're talking about a guy that can be uh, ha- have a lot of potential in the in the right development system. Yes, we are. I'm looking at a top 100 list right now. There are, and you were talking about you know how many young players there are. So if you just look at what is this? This is MLBs. Jordan Walker, and we've seen him. We've seen L.A. De La Cruz, Yuri Perez. We've seen all these guys I just talked about. We haven't actually – we've seen Taj Bradley. We've seen Bobby Miller. And all these guys have had success already this season. Brandon Fott sent back down, didn't have a lot of success. We've, but we saw him. Logan O'Hoppy was playing great till he broke his arm or something. I don't remember what the injury was. Gavin Stone. Uh, who else have we seen here? We have seen Max Meyer. That wasn't this year, unfortunately. That was last year before he got hurt. Bryce Miller. Brian Rocchio has been up at times this year. So what? Uh, how many else we have? Jace Young has been, or Josh Young. This is Jace's brother. Excuse me. Josh Young has been great. And is that it for the top one? Edward Julian has been up. Matt McLean has looked fantastic. Mason Miller, Andrew Abbott. So and AJ Smith Shaver, the guy who started the year at High A, is now getting starts for the Atlanta Braves because you know they had success with this guy named Strider. So why not try it again? So what is it? I think that's fourteen of the top one hundred are currently in the major leagues on MLB and. Which means you have room for another 14 jumping up into that top 100. So mm-hmm. uh, next wave uh, gets uh, exciting there. We talked about the players that will uh, potentially impact the, uh, the stretch for uh, for contenders. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that as the season goes on. Again, next week we'll take a look at, uh, uh, we'll review the uh, offseason moves. Uh, and if there's uh, buyer's remorse, uh, who hit the who hit it right? Again, all you have to do is look at who's in the the, the standings to see likelihood of, of things that have gone well uh, and things that haven't, depending upon where someone is within it. We'll break down those moves so far and where our confidence level is. Uh, would we even if it didn't work out so far, would we make the same decision, uh, or is there buyer's remorse? We'll look at all that coming up next week. Peace.